Welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life, but open to all to enjoy and share. My name is Natalina, the founder of Rise Up For You, through interviews with various experts and professionals on relationships, investing, self-worth, entrepreneurship, love, and health. This podcast is committed to empowering and spreading knowledge and motivation to all. Rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hello everyone, this is Natalina, your host and founder of Rise Up For You. Thank you for joining us on the Rise Up For You podcast. Today we have an incredible episode with Doug Gefeller. He is going to be talking with us about the coaching perspective and some really, really useful tips for anybody out there that is a coach. He is the founder and owner of The Coaching Perspective, coach, author, speaker, board member, and radio show host. And I had a pleasure of being on his show, OC Talk Radio, which was awesome. Doug is a member of the International Coach Federation and has earned their highest designation of Master Certified Coach. The ICF has over 25,000 members, of which 8,000 of them are certified, and only 600 are Master Coaches, Doug being one of them. Since 1994, Doug has led over 2,500 individual or group coaching sessions. He is an incredible guy and had a pleasure talking with him. This episode is incredibly useful. Again, he's going to be talking with us about the coaching perspective, and he's also going to dive in to others that lose their identity, maybe when they're transitioning out of a business or wanting to retire. He has some great input, and I encourage you to listen and stay tuned into this podcast. Rise up for you and enjoy this episode. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show, Doug. I always like to start off by letting the audience get to know our guest. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Okay, and thank you for inviting me to be on your show. It is an honor, and I've been looking forward to it. So, I am an executive coach. I'm a master certified coach by the ICF, the International Coach Federation. I have been coaching for about 20 years. I coach mostly senior management and their executive teams, so I'm a business coach. I've had uh, multiple identities in in life, and we might talk about identities today. So currently I'm a coach, I'm a director on two companies. I serve on their board of directors. I'm a husband, a father, a grandfather. My past identities, I've been a forum leader, a speaker, a residential building company owner, an executive at the Irvine Company, and a financial executive and IT professional. So. I've had a number of identities in my career, and I've enjoyed each one of them as they have come along and shaped and modified me. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you. So tell us a little bit more about what you're currently doing and how you got to this journey. You know, the story starts back quite a few years. I was running a building company. I had my own residential building company. We built track homes in Southern California. And I was in the process of expanding the company, and I had a peer group that I belonged to. And uh, over a period of months, I had been bringing my expansion plan to the group. 
and was all ready to expand the company, double it in size. The employees were excited about it. The bankers were excited about it. And when I got finished making the presentation, one of the members of the group in the back raised his hand and said, let me ask you two questions, Doug. You've belonged to this group for a number of years, and you always talk about two things. One, you talk about how much time you get to spend with your employees and how much you like to coach them and develop them. How are you going to be able to do that when you double the size of the company? I thought for a minute. He said, the second question is, he says, you talk about the fact that you really like working with the architects and that you like being involved in the design and the individual projects. And how much time are you going to be able to spend doing that as you expand and grow the company? Well, the answer to both those questions, in fact, uh, I was a little stumped because I hadn't thought of either one of those questions. So I went away over a period of weeks, decided that I was going in the wrong direction, that my personal goals involved being able to work closer with people, not so much about being a big company, not so much about making a lot more money. And I, in fact, started to shrink the company down in size. But the timing was perfect. One of the many building recessions came along shortly after I started that. I was at the right size to get out of the business and Given the advice I'd gotten, I decided that I would get into the executive forums business, and I bought a franchise and started putting together forums. In the process, I found that people came to the meeting, uh, made commitments, went away from the meeting a month later, came back and had done nothing. So I got involved in coaching, which was relatively new then. This was in 95. And uh, I went and got trained as a coach uh, by CTI and got my coaching degree, coaching license, and decided it would be a member retention tool. Well, little did I know that it was the thing that excited me the most. And over the following 17 years, 18 years, I ran both executive forums and had a coaching business. And then about four years ago, I sold the executive forums business so I could work strictly as a coach. Wow. Okay. So you said two things that were really interesting that I want to touch base on. As a lot of people that own their own business or entrepreneurs, eventually they're looking to scale their company, scale their business and, you know, bring people aboard and make it larger. And I think that a lot of times they do struggle with what you just said about kind of losing that family feeling or being able to work with your employees and really, really coach them. And that's something that I know a number of entrepreneurs that are in my circle are dealing with. How to scale my company without losing the intimate feeling of a family in regards to the company and what we're building here. But for you, as you mentioned, it wasn't the right track for you. You didn't want to scale it to that point where you couldn't reach all of your employees. So you downsized, actually, which is a very interesting concept. Was that something that you were scared of or actually downsizing your company? Or did it just feel like that was the right move to make? It felt like it was the right move to make. It was a difficult move to make because people did not understand it. And when I talked to people about it, they looked at me like I was crazy. We were doing very well. We had more money to invest and more opportunities than uh, than I was interested in. And so people looked at it kind of skeptical. The key thing here, whether you're downsizing or whether you're growing, when you're trying to determine what the right size is, is your goal has to be really clear in your own mind about what you want out of the business. And for me, Yes, I wanted to make money, and yes, I liked being well-known, but those weren't the drivers. For me, the driver was individual relationships, 
time to do the tasks that I did extremely well. And getting bigger wasn't really going to fit into those things at that point in time. That makes complete sense. So then you jumped into the coaching world and you touched on something that is so true, being a fellow coach, is this concept that you go to forums, I go to conferences and whatnot, and you're seeing the people continuously come back. So they come to a forum, you give them the information, and then a month they're back again, and then a month they're back again, and again and again and again. So they're not actually able to take the information and implement it on their own. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, Netta, there was an interesting study done by a university in Canada, and I can't remember the name of the university, but what they did is part of the professors uh, that were in the university, the university would pay for them to go to programs during the year to further their education and their knowledge about whatever field they were in. And so they decided to run an experiment. And so half of the professors in one year went to the conferences the same way they always had. And the other half were required to work with a coach after they'd been to the conference. They were required to have a number of meetings with a coach afterwards. And then they interviewed to see what the difference was between the two groups. And what they found was that the group that had a coach, when they came back, they downloaded the information and what was key to them with the coach. And that increased retention. They also set goals and objectives, and they talked about what they got out of the conference and what they wanted to do with it. And the coach then worked to hold them accountable and to help them achieve those plans. So they found that the group that had a coach, that not just that their learning was greater in terms of retention, but their actual execution and application of the ideas was far better than the group that did not have a coach. So I'm a firm believer that, you know, we all go to conferences, we all get excited about it, we all leave with great intentions, but unless we've got a program, a coach, somebody to hold us accountable, uh, we really don't find time to work new things into our already busy days. Absolutely. And I'd like to add on top of that, that, you know, sometimes when you're gathering that information, whether you go to a forum or a conference, you can tend to get a little bit overwhelmed. It really does help to have a coach with you that can kind of diffuse that feeling of being overwhelmed. And not only that, ensure that you're not wasting time reinventing the wheel, which a lot of times if you're not working with a mentor or coach, you're doing things that have already been done and you're, you know, wasting a ton of hours when somebody that's working with you can easily say, here are the mistakes and here are the pluses of what we've found. So talk to us a little bit more in regards to the coaching that you're doing today. Who's your specific audience and target and what's your real message while you're coaching? <laughs> oh boy. Do you have an easy question for me? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Doug. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, look, the audience that I coach is typically owners who own their own business. And I coach the owner or owners, sometimes it's partners of the business and their direct reports. And usually I'm involved in coaching them to make a stronger senior executive management team, a more effective team for the company. The companies that I'm coaching don't fall in any particular area. I've got an architectural company. I've got a manufacturing company. I mean, they, they run the, the, the spectrum of all different kinds of businesses. 
By accident, though, and, I, and nothing is an accident, but it seems that I have attracted a number of very senior executives who are in the process of thinking of leaving their business. And so I have been spending a lot of time, and it is really at the top of my mind these days, working with business owners on how do they get out of the business and what are they going to do with their life after they get out of it. And you may or may not realize the second question is the more difficult one to answer. Getting out of the business, there's a million plans out there that can, and people that can help you figure out how to financially get out of the business, whether it's an ESOP or selling your business or merging or whatever. But the issue of what am I going to do with my life afterwards, how does this impact my identity, that is the real challenge and that is the area that I have become totally fascinated with. That's very interesting because, as you mentioned, this concept of identity, when you build something or you've been working for a long period of time, that feeling of not having that almost feels like, who are you? Where do you come from? You lose a sense of your complete identity, as you mentioned. So what are some of the things that you find are struggles with these men or women that are wanting to leave their position? Well, you know, one of the interesting things is, is when I got involved in this, is I looked up some definitions and... The word retire stems from a French word that means withdrawing or heading into isolation. Mm. And, and that is the fear that these people have. They are looking for a change. Many people find they really don't want to retire at all. What they wanted was a long vacation. And the statistics show you that a surprising number of people really have just made a break that, in fact, 26% of retirees are reversing their decision and returning back to work either full or part-time. And those that are in the younger spectrum of retirees, 35% of them are going back to work in some way. And these are not going back because they're financially motivated. This is going back because that's who they were. They were the person who worked and they don't have something else to fall back on. The other interesting statistic that goes along with that is that the number of new businesses formed by people in the 55 to 64-year-old age group went from 14% in 96 to nearly 25% in 2013, and those are the latest numbers. This age group, this group that we think of as getting close to or qualifying for retirement, is among the most active age group actually has a higher rate for starting new businesses than people in their 20s or 30s. The identity issue here is I've, we always tend to tie ourselves to our job. I'm vice president. I'm the owner of this. I'm the manager of that. When you no longer are that, then what really is your identity? And this is the struggle that I find most people dealing with. And some experts talk about the fact that this can take up to two years to recover from this kind of emotional trauma. And I use the word emotional trauma because the science of this shows that this is the same trauma, losing your job identity, that people go through when they lose a spouse. Wow. And that this time frame to learn how to deal with it is technically called the identity crisis process. And that during this process, it's fairly normal, not that we like it, to feel depressed, anxious, distracted. In other words, to be an emotional mess. People at this time have low self-esteem. 
They don't know how to behave. They have low self-efficacy, which means that they feel they've lost control over their life, and that there is a need, and this is the key to getting through this period, there's a need to rewrite their goals so that they don't become invisible. If you don't rewrite your goals and all your goals were geared to your business persona, then as you have left that business, you tend to become invisible because of the lack of new goals. Now, I wonder, because I would think that, you know, if you're transitioning or wanting to retire, that this would be a great time in their life to do something that they've always wanted to do. Because a lot of times, and this is very common amongst us men and women, we might have a successful career, but it might not have been the career that we wanted for ourselves, or it might not really be our true purpose or our true passion. So do you find that it's hard for your clients to find what that is? What is my true purpose? Really digging back down inside of them and re-pulling to the surface what it is that they really love to do that maybe they hadn't done the past, you know, 20, 30 years? You know, I know what you're talking about, and the people you're talking about are really the lucky ones in this niche. The people that have run a business successfully, but they always wanted to paint, or they always wanted to learn to play certain kind of music, and now they can jump into that and devote their life to that, and it satisfies them. They are the fortunate exception to this. What I tend to find is that people who were business owners and successful business owners and are able to retire without a lot of financial burden, those are the very people that have the most difficult time because their identity, their passion was tied to creating whatever their business did, to designing buildings, to creating a company, to employing thousands of people. And so that is their identity as to who they were. And the issue is, how do I reinvent that? Now, part of it is that they are living with old definitions of age. They're living with this idea that our society has perpetuated that I'm 55 or 65 or 70 years old and it's too late for me to do something new. Well, I shared with you those statistics about the number of older people who have created new businesses, who have become entrepreneurs in another field. And yet so many of the people looking at this kind of retirement, they've got this mental block that says, well, this means I'm not going to work any longer. Guess what? Work is what kept them young. Work is what kept them invigorated. It's just a redefinition of what work are you going to do. And the work you're going to do is probably not motivated by financial rewards. It's now motivated by more self-discovery, more self-satisfaction, more feeling of being important and needed but not in a monetary way. You know, there's a great book Buford put out that talks about the second half of life, and he talks about the second half as being one of significance, not success. Mm. And I love that definition, and it really is what people who are going through this are struggling with. What is now important for me? Because they've tied their identity so closely to what they did, not who they are. For our listeners, you know, I'm sure there's quite a few that might be struggling with this at the current moment or maybe have a parent or a colleague or whatnot that's struggling through this. What's some advice that you can give them if they're going through this transition or thinking about going into this transition? Well, the first advice I would give them is to recognize that this is a transition that would not be unusual to take two years to make. 
So don't immediately sell your house, invest your money in a new business in the next month. Take time to re-look at who you are, what motivates you, what drives you, and what is going to give you satisfaction. And get other people to work with you on this. It is very difficult for most of us to look at ourselves and see who we are. But our friends, our associates, other people around us, they have so much easier time looking at us and going, oh, well, Doug, you've always liked to help other people. Why aren't you teaching? Why aren't you mentoring? Why aren't you helping people start a business? And yet I might be too close to it to see that. I've identified myself with making money, Mm. making a success of the business. So the first thing is to recognize that it's going to take time. The second thing is to enroll the help of other people in working with you on this. Don't try to do it yourself. And the third thing is to set new goals and to start to track how you are doing in achieving those goals. I'm going to use the old coaching adage, pull out that journal and start keeping a daily journal of what progress you're making in this journey because it's going to take time. Recognize that much of the enjoyment here is not in the destination. It is like sailing. I was a sailor for many years, and it was never about getting from here to Catalina. That's what the people on the boat thought we were doing. For me, it was about getting away from the dock and enjoying the journey of sailing. Mm -hmm. Getting to Catalina, it was all over. I was just wasting time till we started back. (laughs) So take the time to enjoy the journey But at the same time, have a destination and track how you are doing, what the course is, and whether you need to make adjustments to that course. That's awesome, Doug. Thank you so much for your advice and for your information. And it's been a wonderful conversation. I'd love to jump into the power section. So I'd like to know what's one book that you have read that's had a massive impact on your life that you would recommend to us? Absolutely. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It was written ages ago. It's been released many times. It is a typical success story. I love success stories, but it is atypical in that it is one of the first books that talked about the power of working with groups of people to help you achieve your goals. And what's one thing that you've accomplished that you're incredibly proud of? This is a very selfish thing. I'm very proud of the fact that my current goals involve client satisfaction and personal satisfaction from my coaching practice. They are not goals that are about money or the hours I worked. I spent too many years being proud of how many hours I worked this last week or how much I was able to bill. Now what I'm proud of is the fact that I have goals that are more qualitative and less quantitative. I love that. And are there any routines that you have that help you get a positive rise in your life? Maybe a daily routine or a morning routine? Well, my routine is I've always kept a bound notebook. I go through many of them. I've done it for more than 30 years. And every day I start a new page. Every day I write down what my goals are for the day. I make notes of every conversation, phone call, whatever I have. I do that on the right-hand side of the notebook. On the left-hand side, I scribble and draw pictures and make notes that are usually more meaningful than the the words I've put on the right-hand side of the page. 
To me, being able to review that information at the end of every month and look at what I wrote down and didn't accomplish and put it on my carry forward list and make sure that I do it, that has allowed me to really stay more focused than uh, any other work trait that I can think of. Thank you, Doug, again for your time and for joining us on the Rise Up For You podcast. Before we close off, I wanted to know if there's anything that you would like to say to our audience, any last message that you would want to share with us. Well, I think the only thing I can say is that I love coaching. It has really meant a lot to me. I would give three tips to anybody thinking about coaching. One, make sure that you coach people that you can personally relate to. Make sure that you set your coaching objectives up front and revise them with the client as you go. And the last, be clear about your personal goals for coaching this client, not just the client's goals. What do you want out of this coaching engagement? I love that. Thank you. Doug, how do we stay connected and how do we support you? Well, you can always go to my website, www.thecoachingperspective.com. I have a weekly radio show. And Netta, you've been one of the wonderful guests we've had on the show. Thank you. Thank you. And if anybody wants to listen to the podcast from your live radio show or any of our other guests, they can go to D Gefeller, that's D G F E L L E R dot podbeam dot com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, Doug. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. That is the end of our episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family. You can post it on social media and help us spread the word. If you aren't already, you can follow me, Natalina, the host and founder of Rise Up For You, all over social media at Rise Up For You. You'll find us on Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Twitter. There's something new and different on every network, so be sure to check us out. There's a ton of empowering information that is being spread through our media outlets, and we want to make sure that you get the full benefits of it. Thank you again for joining. We will see you next episode. Rise up for you. Be better today than yesterday and prepare for a greater tomorrow.